welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people. The whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you. And I do want to thank you. Uh, You're in a series on community where you're thinking about how we're better together. And that's true as uh, the people of Jesus, individual followers, followers of Jesus. It's also true as churches. We're better together. Uh, Jim Anger serving Liberty Mainline, who's in the midst of a pastoral search and preaching there this morning. So thank you for uh, being the kind of community that lets him serve in that way. Eric serves our region and the Liberty Network of Churches by heading up our pastoral residency program. You guys are a church that uh, doesn't just care about your community and this part of Jersey and lifting up Jesus here, but you're part of a wider communion and network of churches. So thank you so much. Uh, I'll share this bit of encouraging news real quick. The meal delivery, uh, you know, 2019 was... 10,000 meals over the Easter weekend. And of course, this year is completely different because of the pandemic and all over the region, we did meal delivery uh, weekly and it morphed into a six, seven day a week thing that's still ongoing. At the end of September, we passed the a million meals mark. So over a million meals have been delivered. Some of you have given to that, you as a church, uh, have been generous to that over the years, and many people volunteered. So thank you so much. It's good to be with you. Listen to God's word from Psalm 126, and then I'll pray for us. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we are like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negeb, like those, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This is God's word. Uh, would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would work in our minds, the questions we have, uh, the wrestling with unbelief, the doubts, the fears. We pray you would work in our hearts. We admit that there are barriers to us receiving you, submitting to you, following you, loving you, that uh, deal with what we love beside you and loving your gifts more than you. Lord, work in our hearts, work in our minds, work in our hearts, send your spirit and meet with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2018, British journalist Johan Hari 
came out with a new book. He's an award-winning British journalist, and his newest book in 2018 was entitled Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Causes of Depression and the Unexpected Solutions. And Johan Hari shared that this is um, a personal story for him. He's someone who had been on medication for depression and anxiety before. Uh, I have as well. And it's also like a worldwide concern. The incidence of depression and anxiety is spiking across the West, around the world, Western countries. Uh, there's a marked increase in depression and anxiety. There's more people than ever agree with this statement, I have no close friends. And it turns out, hey, it's really bad for us. A health insurance company did a survey in 2018, Cigna, and they found out that around half of Americans don't have a meaningful in-person social interaction daily. And I'm talking about just an extended conversation with someone that cares about you or quality time with family. Half of people don't have that. One in four Americans now, 27%, rarely or never feel as though there are people who really understand them. And it turns out this is really bad for people physically. It's um, linked to all kinds of physical problems, which is why a health insurance company did this survey of 20,000 Americans. Also, it's bad for us mentally. And the medical model, which there's some truth to, and he's not anti-medicine, uh, but some, it used to be, and this was prevalent in the 90s and the early 2000s, that people would act as if, hey, all that's going on is there's some chemicals in your brain, and we're, we're fallen, our brains aren't perfect, obviously nothing about our, our body is absolutely perfect, and we need to fix these chemicals in your brain. And there is, it is true that medicine can help a little bit, but Johan Hari makes this bold assertion that the spike in anxiety and depression is mostly because of how we live as a society. We're disconnected in a new way. And so his book is entitled Lost Connections. He lists nine causes of how we live and how it's affecting us uh, emotionally and in depression and anxiety. I'm only going to mention four. He says we're disconnected from meaningful work we're disconnected from meaningful values. We're disconnected from a hopeful or secure future. And we're disconnected from other people. Now, Johan Hari is an atheist. And yet, I found this book fascinating. And uh, I agree with so much of it. And here's why. The gospel of Jesus Christ is actually about uh, all the different connections. <laughs> That he mentions. The gospel of Jesus Christ, in Jesus, we're reconnected in all these ways. Uh, we're reconnected from meaningful work. Actually, no matter what you do for work, if you pick up trash for work, you can do so, according to the New Testament, for the glory of God. Whatever we, you do, you do it for different reasons. You do it for the Lord and with the Lord. And even other tasks that people look as, look at as lowly, there's new meaning to work. We're reconnected to values. The values we live for. Loving God, loving people, service, uh, seeking to serve the poor. 
weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice. Values like that, they do need to uh, reflect in us personally. We need to personally exercise them. But it's not like we just cook them up in our own little soul lab. They're true because they're actually external to us, according to the gospel. There is a world that God made, and he made it a certain way. Some things really are true and beautiful and good. They're real values. Uh, In the gospel, another reason why I love this book surprisingly satisfying for a Christian to read, I think, is in the gospel, we're reconnected to hope. He mentioned that we're disconnected from a hopeful or secure future. This understandably bumps people out. And in the gospel, we're reconnected to hope. Our ultimate hope is that Jesus will bring us home, that nothing in this life can separate us from the love of God. Not cancer, not joblessness, not pandemic, not divorce, not any kind of abandonment can separate us from the love of God, and not death itself. Actually, the end of our story, because of Jesus, is reunion and fulfillment. The end of our story is joy. We have a secure hope. And in the gospel, we're reconnected to people we're reconnected to people. To become a Christian is to become adopted into a family. Adoption's part of the deal. If you believe in Christ based on his works, what he did, not on what you accomplished, you don't perform your way into this, but based on what he has done, you are transferred into the community of Jesus, the people of God, the body of Christ. Uh, To be a Christian is to be a is to enter into a new community. And so he pushes back on the nobody can help you but you thought. Listen to Johan Hari talking about the thought nobody can help you but you. He basically says, as if that's encouraging. It made me realize we haven't just, he's talking about seeing this on Facebook, the thought nobody can help you but you, you go for it. And he said, It made me realize we haven't just started doing things alone more in every decade since the 1930s. We have started to believe that doing things alone is the natural state of human beings and that it's the only way to advance. We have begun to think I will look after myself and everybody else should look after themselves as individuals. No one can help you but you. No one can help me but me. And these ideas now run so deep in our culture that we we even offer them as feel-good bromides to people who feel down, as if it will lift them up. He basically says, this is a denial of human nature, and quote, this approach to life makes us feel terrible. Living alone makes us feel terrible. Now, you're in the midst of a series called Get Off Your Island, It's about reconnecting. It's about connecting in community as brothers and sisters in Christ. And yes, Liberty Collingswood seeks to be the kind of community where if you don't have any idea where you're at spiritually, you're exploring Jesus. You're welcome here. You're welcome to jump in with us and ask your questions, explore these things. But you're in the midst of 
a series called Get Off Your Island. It's a series on community. You thought about the cost of that. You thought about the different ways. The Bible says together is better. And this morning, we're going to talk about seeking joy together. Seeking joy together. Psalm 26 actually teaches us something and models something for us about seeking joy together. And uh, I got to confess to you, some sermons on joy actually have made me feel worse over the years because it can be like, hey, here's joy. Here's the right definition of joy. Now you go fix that by yourself. But this is actually something, according to the scriptures, to seek together. So let's look at this psalm together. It has two major moves, uh, just two major things are happening. There's remembering together and there's hoping together. And then we're going to end by just applying this four ways to seek joy together. Okay? So the two major moves of the psalm and then four ways to seek joy together. The two major moves are remembering together and hoping together. Look again at the beginning, the remembering together. Uh, there is a we, there is an us, there is a we're together in God's presence and they remember, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Now, uh, here's what's interesting about this, and kind of wonderful about it. It's general. What does restore the fortunes mean? It means making it better. <laughs> Giving back all the blessings and help and health that was lost. Restoring the fortunes. Giving back what was lost. It could be a famine that was threatening them. It could have been armies threatening to them. Both of those things had happened. We don't know what it is, but that kind of language, it's easy for other people to apply. And this is a song, a prayer to God to sing. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter. Our tongue with shouts of joy. We were like those who dream. It was so good. God, do you remember when God dropped good news on us? It was so good, we had to pinch ourselves. We laughed. It was so good. And we shouted in celebration. Do you remember that goodness that God dropped on us? They remember. And there's a theme here the world will watch. Uh, this is actually a theme in the Hebrew scriptures. It's there in verse 2. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And actually, look, all the deliverances for Israel point forward to a bigger deliverance that's going to come that's going to be for everybody. So one of the smaller deliverances for the people of God in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, are when they go through the Red Sea and God opens the Red Sea, and then later, the next generation, God does the same thing for the Jordan. God parts the Jordan River and allows them to cross over on dry ground. And they build these stone, they have 12 stones as markers for this event, and they're instructed, when your children ask their parents in times to come, what do these stones mean, then you're going to let the children know what happened, how God dried up the waters of the Jordan, and why? So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is mighty. So everyone will know. 
And these rescues point forward to a bigger rescue to come. And so they remember together. Now the other big move of the psalm is they hope together. Look at verse 4 again. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. They basically, they remember, and then they say, Lord, do it again. We need that again. And two images happen. One image that's happening here, it's sudden joy, and one's patient joy. The sudden joy is the streams in the Negeb. Negeb literally is translated parched. It's the southern part of Judah that's a desert, and they could have strange, super rare uh, rains come, and where there was nothing, there would be a small river or a stream. God, just make it happen. Drop it down. Sometime you have to Google Death Valley Flowers 2005. Google Death Valley Flowers 2005 and click on the images and you'll see pictures. Okay, Death Valley, of course, is the hottest place in North America. It's called Death Valley for a region, uh, for a reason. It's a desert. And in 2005, they had these super rare rains that covered the Florida Death Valley with beautiful flowers. Sudden, unexpected joy. That's the picture. Uh, the other picture we're given is a patient joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, but he shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. All you've got is seeds and tears. Later, you'll have laughter and harvest and food. One requires patience. Now, uh, this is a psalm given to us that we can reflect on. We can enter into this thanksgiving. We can enter into this hoping. And here's four ways to apply that for you and for me together uh, as Liberty Collingswood. Four ways to apply this. First, let's seek joy by remembering the we. Remember the we. Uh, this is a song sung by a community, in community, seeking community with God. Uh, it's worship together. And it's not just joy for me and mine. It's our joy. Our mouth was filled with laughter. Our tongue was shouts of joy. The whole thing is set in the context of the worshiping community. And there's different kind of songs, and I, I know you've had sermons on this before. There's laments, too. We're allowed to say, Lord, where are you? We're allowed to say, Lord, when will you hear our prayer? We're allowed to cry in God's presence. But even that is done ultimately in hope in God's presence. Remember the we. We do this together. We are remembering, we are praying, we are hoping together. That's the picture of all the Psalms. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, um, eventually you'll regather. And some people will need to stay home because of health concerns. My wife has some health concerns. I get it. We have to be more careful than most. Other people 
will stay at home because they've gotten used to it and a piece of them likes it better for wrong reasons. And so I just want to lovingly engage that for a second. Some of you, my prediction is that when Liberty Collingswood does begin to regather, some of you will stay home um, because you've gotten used to just watching for actually wrong reasons. Now let's just think about this for a second. Why, to go, why go to concerts? Why go to concerts? Because it's the same as listening to, live, listening to a live album on your headphones by yourself. No, <laughs> it's not the same. Hey, why go to the birthday party? Hey, don't go to the birthday party. I'll send you some 10-second clips and put those in a YouTube and play that for you later. So you don't even have to go because it's the same. We know it's not the same. It's not the same. And when we can, and we're going to do it safely, we should seek to be together. We should remember the we. The songs that we're given to sing, so many of them are we psalms. They're meant for people seeking God together. And we actually, that's the point of some of the liturgy, the words we say together, so we can say the same thing in prayer and receive it together. Some of the liturgy is designed specifically, obviously, so we can do it at the same time. Uh, people are, are liturgical creatures. There's been more reflection about this recently. We practice certain things because we believe. There are certain things you do. For those of you who are Christians, self-acknowledged Christians, you do certain things because you believe in Jesus. It's also true, and this isn't thought about as often, we believe in Jesus, and often we have confidence in Jesus because we practice certain things together. It's reinforced. When we worship together, it actually rewires your brain. Uh, my son said a few years ago, he was about 17 at the time, and he was struggling with liturgy. He said, hey, Dad, isn't it meaningless that we're saying the same words together, and often we're saying the same thing. How can it be meaningful to say the same things to God again and again? And I said, well, it's either meaningless or it's a reminder of a precious truth. What does your mom say to you every day uh, since you've begun school? It was about to be his senior year. Every day before you walk out of the house to face the world, your mom looks you in the eye and says, what? He replies, I love you. What do you do? Well, I say it back. I love you too. Is that an empty, rote ritual? Or is it a reinforcing and a remembering of a precious reality? He's like, it's a precious reality. It's precious. Uh, even in his teen angst, he was almost like, okay, Dad, you win. That, you got me on that one. You, I acknowledge. I acknowledge the truth of that. That is precious. The things we do together shape us. Okay? Let's seek joy together by remembering the we. And let's copy Psalm 126 
Let's seek joy by practicing gratitude together. Let's remember. This is the second thing. Seek joy by practicing gratitude together. How does it end? The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad, and they remember how glad they were. We, it was like we were dreaming. We laughed. We shouted. They remember. Now, it's too bad. It's too bad that we Christians don't have something that we could look back on and remember, isn't it? It's too bad that we Christians don't have something that we could always look back on as being so epic and so history changing and so changing the story of the world and so changing our story. It's too bad that we don't have something like that that we can always go back to. But we do. It's the work of Jesus and God entering into this world, sending his son to die and raise for us, be raised for us. I've been um, spending a lot of time in the book of Philippians just for my own well-being because of the note of joy in it. And listen to Paul's perspective. Okay, he's writing this with a chain around his ankle, and yet listen to his joy. This is how he greets that church, the Apostle Paul to a church. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. How does he practice joy? Because of Jesus, he says, I'm thankful for you. And every day when I pray for you, I thank my God. And because of Jesus, I'm confident about the future, even in your case, in the spiritual growth that you need. And I'm full of love because we're all partakers of grace. Now, this is what it is to be a Christian. The single most life-shaping thing is that Jesus came into the world, God's son, died for our sins, and is risen again. And now we are reconciled to God. Now we are forgiven by God. Now God is at work in our lives. Now God has not left us without hope. God is with us. And even in the mess of our story, and even in the sad parts, in ways that we don't see, God is in it. And so it's really important to practice gratitude together. Um, I, for, I, I had a season where I really explored biblical lament, because I think it was underemphasized in the, the teaching and theology I had been exposed to. It's been really necessary for me personally to go back to uh, this practice of thanksgiving and sit in all the promises about it and uh, make it more of my just daily life rhythm. Now, before I go to bed, I think of everything I have to be thankful for. I just thank God for it. And when I wake up, I thank God for everything I can think of. And I go back and I spend time in God's presence doing that. That for me has been a necessary new rhythm to seek joy 
in pandemic, to seek joy in these weird times, to seek joy when we don't get to hang out with people, when often we feel isolated. Listen to these other uh, encouragements to be thankful. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and encouraging, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How about this? First Thessalonians. See to it that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without seeking, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks. If you're a Christian, he says, give thanks all the time. Yes, be honest about your grief. And we mourn with those who mourn. And sometimes we cry. But look for ways to be thankful. And practice that before God. Johann Hari actually gives a book, uh, a chapter in his book, to sympathetic joy. And he talks about reconnecting with an old friend where part of the, the basis of the friendship was complaining a lot. And she moved away. Um, he reconnects with her after years. And he notices, notices something different where they used to complain about their lives, complain about their graduate program and the city that they were in. She had begun to meditate, not even in a uh, overtly, not connected to a specific spiritual tradition, but to just meditate every day on being happy for other people. Uh, she was a self-admittedly jealous person, an envious person. Social media makes this work. It's one of the, um, they've done studies and people actually, the more you use social media, often the more dissatisfied with your own life you are because no matter what you're doing, there's someone eating right now in a better restaurant or doing something better. And often, you know, when we post on social media, we edit out all the hard parts. And so it, social media can tend to bombard us with reasons for jealousy and envy. Unless you're a deeply loving person that actually takes joy in the joys of other people. Unless... You're an incredibly thankful person that is content with what God's given you and you practice thanksgiving so much that you actually get to a point where you feel it in your soul, in your mind, and you're able to be happy for somebody else in just a pure loving way. She tells the story about seeing a bride in a park and she's divorced now. And she said, typically, what I would have done before was to look for something wrong in her wedding party or in her dress or in the whole situation or with the weather that day. Some, let's look for something dumb that I can observe about this. And she said, I knew a change was happening to me when I could look at the bride and the groom and just be happy for them. Gratitude. It'll rewire our brain. And friends, in Jesus, we're called to this. We're called to seek joy together and to take joy 
in each other. Third, third way we seek joy. We seek joy by seeking healing in community. Look, the gospel is that we're saved to a community and we're also healed and restored to a community. We're saved to a community. We're partakers of grace, of God's mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn our ways into it. We can just receive it as a gift. That's the way in. If you're exploring Jesus, you need to know that's how it works. You know, clean up your life and then God rewards you with being in his community because you've earned it. No, you receive that as a free gift because Jesus died for your sins. You don't atone for them. Jesus did. And then you change your life out of awe and love. That's the way it works. We're saved to a community through grace, and we're often healed and restored in community. What God wants to do in growing you, transforming you, and healing you happens in community. Uh, the classic tale of suffering in the Bible is Job. Um, super long book, probably the earliest book in the Bible. God lets Job suffer in ways that are so, so deep, and then restores him at the end, and listen to Job's restoration. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job. There it is. When he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before, and then came to him all his brothers and sisters, and all who had known him before, and they ate bread with him in his house, and they showed him sympathy, and they comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. The restoration of Job, his family, his extended family in his community come to him. And because he had everything taken away, they blessed him. It was an ancient GoFundMe campaign. They all gave to him. And as a community, they were together. Uh, they grieved and comforted and hugged and ate together. We're restored in community. Um, I, I have a pastor's group. One of the deep joys of my life is the community amongst the Liberty Pastors. We're actually, uh, we have cohorts of pastors. To be a Liberty Pastor, you have to be in a small group with other pastors. And we share the joys and the hard parts of ministry. And uh, it's one of the deep joys of my life. I have a group outside of Liberty, too. Uh, we call it the Soul Brothers Group. We get together at least twice a year for a few days. And a few years ago, uh, my friend Kevin broke his hip in a biking accident. I mean, bad break. And he had, like, a walker and a special lazy boy chair that we had to carry around. And so we, we canceled our trip, went to his city with him in his chair and his walker, and as a team, cared for him and carried him around, um, carried his stuff around. And the experience, so sometimes as an office exercise, a team building exercise, they'll invent things like this. Take turns, carry a person in a chair up a hill. Do some kind of activity where you're forced to work together. This was that thing 
except it was real. And what made it especially powerful for all of us is that we recognized that we were forced to carry Kevin in ways that were humbling, but there are things that actually we can choose whether or not to let other people carry. And I, I had actually, I shared some suffering that had happened to one of my kids that felt like a burden I was bearing alone. It's actually changed our group. It's changed our Soul Brothers group. Because we actually, I think, because we carried Kevin around, we realized those days together that we needed to let each other carry other things as well. And so I shared these things with these guys and they prayed with, for me and wept with me. And I came back and felt encouraged and loved. And uh, my friend's Kevin, Kevin is one of those guys. He always has like the best bag. Like you know, his book bag is, he's the guy who like researches everything. So you know if like, oh, your briefcase, he had the three-day briefcase by this one company. Perfect for like an overnight trip. And I had noticed it and asked him about it. And he sent me a package like a week later with the bag in it. And it came with this note. Steve, you're carrying a lot. I want you to know, you to know, that you, and this bag to be a reminder that you don't carry it alone. Friends, we're actually healed in community with other people. Healing is better together. What God wants to do in our souls, in our lives, how he wants to grow us, happens together. We seek that joy together in community. And lastly, we seek joy by hoping together. Psalm 126 has this promise. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Why is that real? Why is that not just a nice thought for a Hallmark card? Why can we actually say, you know what? That's true, and that's what's going to happen to me and to the world. You know why? Um, because the tomb of Jesus Christ is empty. Because in history, God injected a new hope, a living hope, a real hope, uh, a true confidence. Jesus defeated death, defeated sin. Our story will end in joy. Those who sow in tears will have <laughs> rejoicing and shouts of joy. Our destiny is reunion. Our destiny is communion. Our destiny is communion with each other and communion with God. Our true home is in community. So friends, let's pray for each other. Let's remember the we. Let's be part of each other's healing. Let's serve each other. Let's live together in community. Let's give thanks together and have that faith. And let's also exercise the faith of hoping together. Let's remember the we. Because of Jesus, let's seek joy together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
we're actually going to say this ancient statement of Christian faith, the Apostles' Creed. We'll say this together. Let's say what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.